uh, our 21 days of fasting. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that. And um, I'm going to open up this morning with Isaiah 43, verse 19. And it says this. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams and the wasteland. I want to read that to you one more time before we pray. See, I am doing a new thing. Would you say new thing? It springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some of us have felt like we have been in a wilderness and felt like you've been in a place where maybe uh, you were confused or weren't really sure where to go. This, uh, this message in this scripture is for you. He does a new thing. It springs up. Do you perceive it? We're going to connect this morning with that. Do you perceive it? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being able to come here this morning and worship. I appreciate our worship team. It just creates this environment for us, God, to focus on you, to sing our prayers to you, to worship you, and to glorify you. And we know, God, that when we lift you up, God, good things are happening in, in us and around us. And you're so worthy of it. So this morning, as we open up our hearts, would you fill them with your word, with your Holy Spirit? May we have your wisdom as we enter into this new year. We pray, God, that realms of confusion would cease. Realms of disillusionment would cease. And, God, that your wisdom and that your peace and your direction will be in us. That will be real and authentic because you are a real and a strong God. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this new series, A New Things, we're going to look into Isaiah chapter 43. And the context of the scripture that I'm going to read to you is one where when the book of Isaiah is written and people are reading this book, it's talking about a people who've been in captivity, meaning they've been taken captive by the empire of the Babylonians. And so they've lived in a place of being conquered or ruled over. And the previous verses, right to the one that we're going to start with, which is verse 16, basically the Lord comes to them and says, I'm going to overthrow your oppressors. You've been oppressed. You've been, in some of us, that's, you know, our lives. We've known what it is to have the enemy wreak havoc in our lives. We know what it is to have sin wreak havoc in our lives. And God says, you know what, I'm going to overthrow that enemy in your life. And that's the context that he's writing. Isaiah 43, verse 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and their reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, in streams, in the wasteland. You know, in verse 16 and verse 17, the Lord reminds them of the great things that he has done in the past. And he points back to the Red Sea 
where Moses came to the Red Sea and the, the troops of Pharaoh were coming against him. And he takes his staff and he strikes the, the Red Sea and it splits open. And these people, the Israelites who just had been slaves in Egypt, pass through the Red Sea. And then when the troops try to follow them, the Red Sea swallows them up. It's this great deliverance that they had experienced. But you see, this deliverance was one that was experienced in the past by their ancestors. They hadn't themselves experienced it, but it was their history. And then in verse 18, it uses this phrase, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, which is kind of funny. When we're reading it, we could read it as, am I supposed to forget the Red Sea that you just reminded me of? It's not saying that. It's saying, remember what I did for your ancestors, forget your past. Because what they've known is oppression. What they've known is the rule of the Babylonians. And he's, he's, he's not telling them to forget their spiritual roots or to forget the great things that God's uh, done for them in the past for their ancestor. He's telling them to forget their troubled past, the one that they've lived through, being dominated by their en- enemies and being captive to the Babylonians. And then in verse 19, after he says, forget your past, he says, see, I do a new thing. And he says, what I think is just right for many of us today, that we need to hear that God has new things, that he has fresh things ahead of us. First, we look at what God has done in his word, and that builds faith in us. We look at the power of the miracles, of things that God has done in people's lives around us and what he's done in his word. We look at God's amazing love. That he's expressed in the cross and by Jesus giving up his life to pay for our sins. And the, the culmination that of all his love, grace, and power in the cross. And we go, you know what? We serve a good God. Amen? And we know that we have a God who loves us, who loved us before we were lovable, who cherished us before we were cherishable. That he has a care for us and he has good plans for us. He's just looking for us to put our lives in his hands. But then the encouragement to us would be to forget the past. I just want to hit pause for just a second. Some of us look at that and go, but my past matters and my past happens. Absolutely. And God wants to heal things from the past. He wants to use things from your past to glorify him in the future. It's not that your past doesn't matter. But there are moments where you need to forget the past so that you can have faith for the future. Where your past will actually limit your faith and limit your hope because you'll look at your own failure and go, I just don't trust myself. I know me. Yeah, but what about Christ in you? What about his ability to work in and through you? I think sometimes we have to not allow the trauma of the past to limit us. Where we go, I've been through so much that now I need to build some walls. I need less relationships, not more relationships. I don't want to go deep with friendships because I've been hurt by friendships. Elizabeth and I were watching a social media post the other day. None of you people know or I wouldn't mention it at all. And it was somebody who was reaching out for friendship. And they were reaching out to for somebody. And it was in their heart and in their mind, the way that they were reaching out, it was like, Oh, man, you can tell this person has really been hurt relationally, like they're overdoing it kind of thing, right? And our heart was just kind of breaking for this person. But I think God sometimes wants us to say, you know what? Don't let your past 
determine your faith and hope for the future. These folks, the, you know, they had been in captivity to the Babylonians for like 70 years. Like, that's a bit of time, isn't it? I mean, that's like over a generation. And so you be, be, begin to become defined by the past that you and your parents have experienced and that type of thing. And God's trying to say, listen, look at the great things that I have done. Forget this season that you've been and don't let it limit it because I'm going to do a new thing. It springs up. I like this is our picture that we're using for this uh, part of our series. Go ahead, Phoebe. Is this idea of something that just springs up. New life and new growth. Now, it says now it springs up. This is what God is doing. This is what is happening. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? I think that that phrase, do you perceive it, is so key. Because, you know, God can be up to something and we can have no idea what he's up to. You ever been like shocked? Like you see somebody who turns their life over to Jesus and you're like, I had no idea. I thought they would never come to Jesus or I thought their life would never turn around. I never thought that they could be nice. And the thing is, a lot of times God is doing something and God is working. The question is, do we perceive it? Do we allow ourselves to see it and allow it to bring a new hope in our lives? And to perceive it, we have to ask our question, ourselves a question. Will we seek him so that we can perceive it? Because to perceive something... You have to be able to focus on it. You have to be able to hear it and see it and understand it. Do you follow me this morning? And so to perceive it, it's almost like, okay, God, I need to see what you were doing. Last week when we were on vacation, we had a, a great time on vacation. We, we got like going to the beach right after Christmas where there's nothing going on, but a few of our favorite places to eat are still open. And uh, we just sit around and play games and do nothing. It's great. Um, and, uh, last Sunday, I got to tell you, Mike, I'm really thankful for, uh, my kids last week. Uh, Elizabeth and I, we, we took the family to a 9 a.m. service at one church and an 11 a.m. service at another church. My friends make fun of me. They're like, you go to church when you're on vacation, man. What is wrong with you? My pastor friends make fun of me and I'm like, whatever, you know, it's just who I am. And you know what? My kids did not complain. I, and at the end of the day, I was like, I really appreciate y'all. We took you to two services and you didn't complain. They looked at me and go, that's what we do every week, Dad. It's like, okay, fair enough. (laughs) I don't really looked at it from that perspective. Um, But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to just be in church and worship. And just, it it was really a lot of fun. Um, When I, Sunday after those services, I took a long walk and I was just, Praying, and I, I walked down to the ocean, which was probably maybe half mile or a mile away. And I was standing at the edge of the ocean. And um, if you know me, I hate sand. Cannot stand sand. It gets in your car. It gets in your socks. It gets in stuff. It never leaves you or forsakes you. It's always there. 
It's always there. So I, I am not a big sand. There have been many times when we go to the beach that our family doesn't even go on the beach because it's typically off season anyhow. But still, like, it's just we don't touch the sand, right? And so I walked out on the sand and I touched the ocean. I'm looking at the ocean. I go, God, like, I'm just starting to remember how big you are. You are just so massive. Like, this is not big to you. And I was walking back and um, walking back to the place that we were staying. And there's this path in the, the property that we're staying. In, and and uh, I just felt this prompting of the Lord to take this path. And I've been walking for a long time. I was actually kind of looking forward to getting back. But I was like, all right, Lord, you know, um, there's a pot of gold there. I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> the Lord's a leprechaun, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Anyhow, I, I get on this path and I'm walking through this path and... It's like this rough, ruddy, big roots and just kind of all over the place path. And it really stunk because like the leaves, leaves had been rotten and stuff like that. And I'm like thinking, Lord, I don't want to get like a sinus infection walking through here. And I'm thinking, yeah, the Lord led me through here to give me a sinus infection. Right. So anyhow, I'm, 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 I'm walking through there and it just started to feel creepy. Because it was like this unknown place and just, you know, it, it was, and it was, you're covered in all, all these woods and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt the Lord impress upon me and just say, this is how my people feel often. They feel like they're on this path, but they don't see enough, they don't perceive enough, they don't understand where they are. And they're just trying to, to figure things out. And it's like this wilderness feel. And... There isn't a sense of direction. There isn't a strong sense of, of, of like I'm, I'm, I'm taken care of. And it's that sense of, of lostness that the Lord's alluding to in this very scripture. Because right after he says, I do a new thing, he says, I am making a way, which is like I am making a road, I am making a path in the wilderness. Now listen, it's really this cool like analogy that he's making. Because at one point he's identifying with the feeling that they're, they're having right there. That you feel like you're in a wilderness and you need a path. You need a way. That you're, you feel like you're in a wasteland and you need some direction. You need you know, some streams, some fresh water, right? At the same time that he's identifying with this sense that's going on, he's pointing back towards their ancestors again who were in a wilderness. And who were led by a cloud by day and a fire by night. And this idea of streams in the wasteland. Moses, when he's with all of these people, and they're like, where are we going to get water? The Lord tells them to strike the, wa- the rock and water flows out and he provides them water. And he's trying to, again, point them back to that, that provision of the past to give them hope for their present. And just say, you know what? I've done it. I've done it for people in the past. I've led them through a wilderness. I've led them through times where they weren't really sure how things were going to turn out. And they didn't know what was next. But I was, if they followed me and they they followed my provision and they just trusted me. I made a way out for them. And I, just, I believe strongly this morning that, that God wants to give you a sense that he has a way forward for you. Some of us feel like you have walked that path in the woods several times to the point where You've gotten familiar with it. 
And it's almost like the Lord is saying, would you just forget that? And would you seek me and would you perceive the new thing that I'm doing? There's this cool verse in Deuteronomy 1.33 where it's talking about their ancestors and their need to be led in the wilderness and to be provided for in the wilderness. And it says, talking about the Lord, it says, Who went ahead of you on your journey? In a fire by night and a cloud by day, which we just talked about, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way to go. Here's the starting point I want to encourage you with this morning. This, He does a new thing and do you perceive it? That God is going before you. And he is searching out places for you and for your family. And he is able to lead you to the places that he has sought out for you. Just seek him. Seek him and perceive where he's leading you. The mistake a lot of us make is we want to make up where that place is. We want to contrive it. We want to control it. Most of us have learned that trying to control your own life is way overrated. Right? Way overrated. And when you trust God and you trust his intent and you entrust his plan for you and trust his, your life to him, all of a sudden you go, you know what? I just believe that if I go to the places that you would lead me to, that it would be a good thing. I shared with um, Bruce and Linda this morning when we were in pre-service prayer today. I said, it's been 15 years that my family's been here as of the end of December. And I thought, and I just keep thinking about I've known like all year, like it's going to be 15 years. And I'm just, I'm so in awe of God because I recognize that my children have grown up here. And I remember when Elizabeth and I were making this decision about whether God was leading us to kind of to come out to this place because we were determined, God, you've got to speak to us. We're not going to go there for opportunity. We're not going to go there to try before we buy. We're going to go there if you send us kind of thing. And connecting that with God, when we go there, the relationships our children have, the experience our kids have, the relationships that we'll have, the experiences we'll have, like we really want to see your will come to fruition. And standing on the other side, I'm like, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, you know, and honestly, I can say, you know, Elizabeth and I love you guys to death. And we love just serving you and love watching what God's doing in your lives. And, and in a weird way, we love the fact that we have been with you in the hardest times of life and the greatest victories of life. Like, that's what real life is like. It's not just the highs, but it's the lows and coming through it and actually liking people. Right? And having a hope and an optimism that's birthed because our God is a good God and he's got a good plan. Do you perceive it? Now, I don't want you to go overboard with what I'm saying. It's not like God wants to give you like coordinates. Like I want you on the 31st of December to be at latitude, longitude, and I want you to stand like this, like an antenna. It's not weird like that. But he has a way of leading you. He has a way of leading you in his ways that are good for you. 
For some of us, it's places and destinations. For some of us, it's just leading our heart. Leading us to the same place with a different attitude. Leading us to the same places with a different optimism and faith and trust in him. And approaching the same pattern in a completely different way that makes everything look different. But you see, you've got to allow him to impress upon you what to perceive. Because what's great is we don't have to make stuff up because our God is so real. And he's given us his word so that we can know what he thinks and how he feels and the way that he operates so that we don't have to wonder that it's not, you know, 90% mystery and 10% we understand. It's more like 90% we understand and 10% of it's mystery. Because he's not trying to elude us, but he's still going to be God. And so in this concept of perceiving it, um, it really connects well with our our 21 day fast as a as a congregation and i'm going to talk to you about that in a little bit but the thing that i want to encourage you with this morning is would you seek him for what he's doing the new things and don't define what the new thing is for some of us we jump to i want the new thing to be my job i want the new thing to be this i want my new thing to be that would you allow him to write because he's a much better author than you are so just let him determine it. But now is the time to just seek him and let him speak to you. You know, fasting is a, is a cool thing um, that God has given us as a gift. And people do fasting in a lot of different ways. And I, I want to take just a couple minutes to describe the right way to do fasting and how fasting can look. Because um, fasting can take a lot of different perspectives, right? Um, When we fast, the concept is we take away something in our lives, from our daily lives, and we substitute God, and we focus on him for that thing. So, you know, people can take away food. You can take away a meal. You can take away three meals. You can be like Jesus and do 40 days with nothing, which was just supernatural, right? Um, You can take away TV. You can take away social media. For some of you are like, oh, you have great faith. You can fast a hobby. I hear hunting season's over. I'm fasting hunting. (laughs) You're so spiritual. We're on to you. But the idea is take something away that I'm used to and substitute a focus on God. The misconception is, oftentimes, is that we fast to get God to do something. That's not really how it works. There's a lot of times where people fasted in the Bible to repent because they had gone away and they just wanted to kind of humble themselves and break themselves down. And their repentance created, you know, a move of God. But it's not the fasting. It's not the I go without and I make God. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a scripture in Isaiah that says you're trying to manipulate me with your fast. Stop it. Basically is what it says. The idea is we substitute, we humble ourselves and we focus on God. In the thing that we take away. So we substitute prayer, worship, time in God's word for the thing that you're fasting. So if you're going to fast a meal, when you have that meal, pray, seek God, worship. Like just do that in the substitute. If you're going to fast, if you're going to fast social media, when you would go grab your phone. Some, Elizabeth told me somebody the other day bought a thing that you can put around your neck that holds your phone for you. No hands. Look, mom, no hands. I just thought, wow, 
If you own one of those, bless you. I'm sorry. I, I'm just not there yet. Maybe I'll be a late adopter. Um, you can fast for different amounts of time. You can fast for a day, for five days, for all 21 days. You can fast Monday through Friday and not on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, what I want to encourage you to do is to pray about something too fast. Don't make stuff up. I'm going to go on a full food fast for 21 days, and I haven't even prayed about it. That's silly. And if you do that, talk to your doctor. Um, it's silly to do that without prayer is what I'm saying. But let God lead you to the thing to fast, to go without, and deliberately sub, uh, substitute the Lord for that and put him in that place. And you see, in that way, we seek after him. Right? A lot of us have never prayed in the middle of the day. You fast a lunch, and you go, what am I going to do for my lunchtime? Pray, read your Bible. Put on a worship song. Just put him in substitute. And the thing is, is if when we seek him, we're more likely to perceive what he's doing. Does that make sense? I really want to encourage you, uh, if you're going to fast you know, in, in our congregational fast, whatever you do, and you're not going to be interviewed, I encourage you, don't tell 10 of your friends, I'm fasting such and such. That kind of takes away from it a bit, right? I mean, you can share with a friend what's going on, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't boast about it. That's kind of the opposite of what it's for. Um, but I would encourage you to have a notebook or maybe notes in your phone and just write down a prayer. Write down something that the Lord is impressed on your heart or showed you, but allow it to be a dialogue because what I really believe is I believe that God has things he wants you to perceive that he's doing in your life. And I believe that God has things that he's doing in our life that he wants to receive and wants us to perceive as a congregation. He's really good at speaking. Some of us are really intimidated by that. My dad used to always tell me, he says, son, don't trust your ability to hear God trust god's ability to speak to you that's so helpful that's so helpful some of us we're hearing god but we're not perceiving that he's actually talking and we humble ourselves we seek him for whatever he would say but the trust is god the wilderness or the confusion or the place the places that i don't understand you can lead me out isn't that a beautiful picture that he goes before us to seek out places for us to lead us to. Isn't that a cool picture? I love the intentionality of that. He could just say, I know where you need to go. But to even give us the picture, like he is seeking that thing out. He's like an infinite, brilliant God. He doesn't need to seek out anything. But it's the beauty of that intentionality and that care that he is a place he's seeking out for Dan and a place that he's seeking out for Stuart, a place that he's seeking out for each one of us. He knows where he wants to lead us. Doesn't that make you curious? Doesn't it make you go, I wonder what he wants to do and where he wants to lead me? And can I give you a little bit of the ending conclusion a little early? A lot of times, the places that he leads us He's going to have us have it be an impact on other people. Because he wants what he's doing in you to be a blessing to other people. It often ends in serving others, loving others, encouraging others. And it's like he takes care of us while he uses us to meet another's need. He's so smart. Would you stand with me this morning? Abigail?
Oh, so, Bruce, will you give me one of those guides? Before we pray, uh, we've got one of these for every one of you this morning. This is a, it's a fasting guide. Sometimes, we did this a couple of years ago, and I preached a message on fasting and went through a whole lot of details. This year, I really felt compelled to preach this message and attach fasting to the concept of do you perceive it in seeking God? In this, in this little guide, it goes over a lot of the things that I shared with you and gives you a lot of different types of fast, practical things to do, questions to answer your, yourself so that um, it's not just something you do that you feel like you've got some guidance and some wisdom on how to do it. And uh, it's small enough to stick in your Bible or wherever or hide it at work or leave it out on your desk at work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of you are wired that way. Put it like so it's facing other people so they can see it. Go ahead, ask me. I dare you. If you're that person, go for it. But um, that's there for you, and there's enough for everyone to have one. And just pray. Don't be motivated or compelled by guilt. It's a terrible master. Be compelled and inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that fasting's always easy. I'm saying don't let the initiation point be some guilt. It's just not a fun way to live. God loves you and he cares for you. Let's just seek him because we want to seek him. Amen? This morning, if you're in a place where you go, you know, I really believe in Jesus, but I need to put my life into his hands. And I need to follow him. I just want to encourage you to let today, January 6, 2019, be your day. We just say, God, I'm going to put my life into your hands and know what it is to follow you. It is the greatest decision ever, and it will absolutely start a brand new life in your, for you. And I just want to encourage you to do it because the Lord wants you. He wants all of your heart. He's not going to force you, but he's, he will love you into it. And I just encourage you to give in to him. Give in to his prompting. Because he wants your heart, not just your action, right? He wants, he wants you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. If you're in that place today and you need to make a, a commitment to Jesus, will you grab me before you leave here today? I just love to pray with you. Pray the prayer of God, forgive all my sins. God, uh, I just put my life in your hands. I believe in you, Jesus, and what you've done. And I want to follow you. And I, I tell you, I know he will cha- change your life. He will absolutely change your life. He's so good at it. Let's pray today. Father, we love you today. I thank you, Lord, that you understand all the paths that we've been on in life. And you understand when people feel lost, when people feel insecure. You understand, Lord, when past things have traumatized us and limited our hope and faith. You understand. And yet, Lord, you do a new thing. And this morning... I just pray for a context, an environment where we can perceive what you're doing. We can perceive what you're doing individually and corporately. You're a great, you're a mighty God and a good God. I pray over these next 21 days just a, a consecration, a setting apart for you. We just take extra time to honor you, extra time to listen for you.
and allow you to speak in our lives. I pray, Father, for each individual who just, by faith, just steps into this fast in whatever realm that you call them to do it. God, that it will be life-giving, that there'll be a hedge of protection. And I pray that even that some of the tactics of the enemy to undermine people, that they will be outed and dismantled. God, we love you and we trust you. We thank you for the new thing that you do. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.